Welcome to the Anod Wright blog post voice recording. Your voiceover diva is Dr. Donna Oriolo. Please note that the information found in this and other blog posts is a matter of researched opinion. Direct your concerns or questions to questions at anodwright.com. Direct your comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag AnodWrightSpeaks. Warning, voiceovers may come with added commentary. Before we get into this week's blog post, I want to remind you that there is an upcoming event from Anod Wright. Sex Talk, Parent Edition. Just like this post is about sexuality, so too is the webinar. Learn when, how, and what to say in those conversations with the kids and teens about sex and sexuality and help to ease your mind a little bit. Hey, hey, y'all. This week's June 1st blog post is called A Hair Story, Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time, written by Dr. Donna Oriolo. Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time was weird for me. I know that for the culture, we keep our silence if we hate something because we still want it to do well. However, this prose is not to render judgment on whether the movie was good or bad, but rather to touch on one of the very many things that were thought provoking and some kind of wonderful. Honestly, if I were to render judgment, I would likely say that when it first finished, I was not immediately pleased, but I was prepared to place blame anywhere else including giving it to the original author of the book, though I know and have been told that this movie deviates from that book. However, the more I allow myself to actively reflect on this movie and the more I speak about it with friends, the more my opinion of the movie evolves. There is something to be said about processing a movie with black women who, like me, enjoy drawing meaning from what we see. Please note that there will definitely be some spoilers ahead. It cannot be helped with the topic I'm choosing to focus on. If you are going to keep reading or listening and hate being spoiled, you are going to be mad. That is my final warning. The use of hair in this movie was beautiful. Just to give some context, I did my whole doctoral dissertation on Afro textured hair. The 200 and something page dissertation focused on the meaning of hair in the black community, but also gathered info about how hair can impact self-esteem and sexual esteem. Self-identified black women were able to talk about their hair journeys. They spoke about what made them return to natural hair. I recognized from there that there are several hair journeys to go. There's the journey that can help someone return to their natural hair, but then there's the journey of self-acceptance of that hair. Because like many a meme has said, lots of folk were hoping for Tracy Ellis Ross tresses, but did not have it. That's why this writing focuses on the hair with the purpose to point out that having natural hair doesn't necessarily mean self-love and acceptance are automatic. The hairstyles in this movie were amazing. They showed all kinds of hairstyles for the characters we see. I was especially fond of Oprah's character's style and energy unapologetically black. She was clearly the one offering some sage wisdom and guidance to her long-lived counterpoints, but she was also serving up some great hair throughout. With that said, the real hair story and journey for me was with the main character, Meg. Her self-love and journey seemed to play out in her tresses. 
and then went straight to the root of the very essence of who she is. Pun very much intended. Pretty early in the film, Meg's dad disappears. We catch up to Meg after it has been four years since his disappearance and see that she has had it rough, especially with bullying. What stuck out to me in that moment was that when Meg decides to stand up for herself, somewhat out of embarrassment from her brother being brave enough to do it, or maybe he gave her the courage, she gets in trouble for the way she lashes out. No one wants to talk about or acknowledge what has been going on for her, especially given that it is the four year anniversary of her father's disappearance, because her grief over losing her father should be over by now, right? But more than that, we continue to, in some ways, dismiss the power of words as a harmful action. Words are being wielded against her when we saw her at school, but because there's no physicality to them, they are dismissed as harmless and doubted as existent. These things are worthy of note because as a clinical social worker and therapist, I see black women who have been told that their trauma somehow does not matter or should have diminished on the prescribed amount of time. Read Eurocentric standards of grief. Almost all characters are guilty of trying to rush her grief, but more than that, they are guilty of not understanding that hurts and pains can come anew when the anniversary of said point of pain returns. Dr. Ajeta Robinson, a speaker and therapist in the Washington DC metro area, speaks very clearly on this, as do many therapists of color that I'm surprised that we don't talk about it more. I am sure now that Oprah has done this interview on 60 Minutes about trauma, things will change. People listen to Oprah. But I digress. This isn't about the bullying. This is about the hair. Her hair, for the most part, is unrestrained in its natural beauty. It is boundlessly curly, a mane to be reckoned with. It is the hair of her mother, though someone, somewhat less subdued. Which I thought to be interesting, especially given the very natures of their personality. In the four years since the disappearance, it seems like Meg's mother has shrunk in on herself while Meg has acted out. Anyway, after Meg's lovely ball pass and show of violence, they have a young fellow, Calvin, over for dinner. Calvin seems to be enthralled by the very nature of Meg, maybe even seeing something in her that she cannot see herself. However, when he goes to compliment her hair, which I was happy to see that he kept his fingers to himself, she immediately rebuffed him, contradicted his statement, and put a restraining hand on her mane as though embarrassed. She could not accept his compliment because she did not believe it for herself. Her younger brother, the genius Charles Wallace, also saw something in her that was greatness, though she couldn't accept it. That she doesn't appear to be something special or worth effort is seemingly confirmed by the white Mrs. Whatsit, played by Reese Witherspoon. She doubts from the start that Meg would even be of use on the journey and is often loud and hurtful in her assessment of Meg. The idea of black women having to constantly prove their worth in the eyes of white people is long as it is tiresome. If Mrs. Whatsit was constantly questioning, Mrs. Witch, played by Oprah, was the one to spend her time knowing and filling the girl for every cup removed by the doubt in Mrs. Whatsit's words and eyes. 
I'm not going to go into every single permutation, but the point is that as they go on their journey, Meg learns to appreciate some of the very quirky natures of herself that Charles Wallace has always loved and that Calvin seemed to admire and appreciate from the start. Just as she is getting a grip, which is confirmed because we see that she is finally able to accept a compliment from Calvin about her hair, the rug is pulled from beneath her. The one who has always seen her worth and defended it, Charles Wallace no longer sees it and becomes just as scathing, if not more in his genius, as some of the girls she dealt with in school. After finding her father, who was more than willing to leave a changed Charles Wallace behind, I want to point out, she confronts her brother and herself. She is presented with who she could be. This version of her wears clothes that are stripped of her personality, stands in a way that is confident, bordering on cocky, while still holding people at bay, but most importantly, has long, straight hair that I am sure helps to buy her way into those crowds that do the bullying, not get bullied. When presented with the opportunity to be the someone else she has longed to be since the beginning of the movie, she decides against it as violently as the ball to the face of the mean girl earlier in the movie. And in the moment, Meg finally sees and accepts her worth. Her acceptance of self, her whole self, faults and all, and that she is deserving of love she almost seemed to dismiss as a young child's naivete from Charles Wallace, is what saves them both. Recognizing that she is worthy of love, period, not despite her faults, but because of them. Because everything that is great and terrible about a person is what makes them who they are. Because those bits are what mold you and help you grow and change. Because lashing out when you are hurt doesn't make you unworthy of love. This is the story that black girls need. This is the story that helps heal mothers, grandmothers, and aunties while giving a map to the daughters and nieces. We already know that hurt people hurt people. Maybe... This is, the, this is the story that starts the healing and moves us on the road to self-acceptance. The place where we can be our most quirky selves, recognize that hurt, what has hurt us and how we may have changed for it. Take up space both in body and hair and be who we are without apology. If you're asking why it took me so long to release this, it's because A Wrinkle in Time will release on June 5th to DVD and Blu-ray. I mean, that's it. That is it for today's blog post. As I said before, direct those comments to the comment section and share on social media using the hashtag AnodWrightSpeaks. We'll be back next week with another one. This one will be on Saints and Scoundrels. All right, y'all. Bye.